From the Bob Marley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for July 23rd, 2009 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined by my good friends, Kathy Worling, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. And we got my brother Kevin, Walter, Max, Teresa, and Taylor. Where's Taylor? She's reading Miles to Go. Oh, okay. <laughs> Julie's sister Taylor's here as well, so we've got a, we've got a big crowd. So um, this is our normal email voicemail show. Sorry, we're not going to do a call-in show this week. We will be doing a call-in show next week. So that's actually our uh, next week, by the way, is our third anniversary doing the show. Wow. Yep. The first show that we did was a pickup show. Tom Flies. At the end of July of 2006. Doesn't it seem like we've been doing it longer than that? No, it feels like just about right. Just about right. Like it's been about three years. You know that July is um, July fifteenth was the ten year anniversary of Dreams being incorporated. Oh wow! We consider November the the official November fifteenth is the official date of birth date for Dreams. Right, yeah. We opened our virtual doors, but it was the middle of July that we incorporated. Well, I celebrate the Diz anniversary on June first, but the site actually went up like it was like May twenty sixth or something. So. But June first just seemed like a nice, good starting good number. starting number, yeah. So um, now, if you would like to send us an email, you can do so by sending it to podcast at wdwinfo.com, or you can go to our show notes page at podcast and fill out the feedback form that you find there. If you would like to give us a call and leave us a voicemail, you can. Call toll-free in the United States, Canada, and Mexico, 1-877-310-9662. The local number, if you can't dial that number, is 407-574-5093. In the U.K., toll-free, 0808-120-2316. And in Australia, toll-free, 1-800-774-531. So with that out of the way, we're going to go ahead and get started with our first voicemail this week which comes to us from Darlene, who has some questions about her leftover tickets. So here is Darlene. Hi, podcast team. This is Darlene from Buffalo, New York. I just wanted to call and ask a question regarding um, tickets that I have left over on my uh, 10-day pass, uh, no expiration, um, Hopper. If I can use those same passes when I go to Disneyland, if we head out there next year, um, please let me know. I'd greatly appreciate it. You guys have a magical day. Bye. Well, thanks very much for calling in, Darlene. Unfortunately, the answer to your question is no. You cannot use your Disney World park hoppers at Disneyland, nor can you use your uh, Disney World annual pass to get into the parks out there or vice versa. So, unfortunately, no. Um, You can't use that. It would be nice if you could, though. While we're on tickets, I just want to remind people not to buy your tickets on little in little booths on 192. Oh, God, no. My sister, she's told me some horror stories about these, and I doubt that our listeners are the ones uh, buying these tickets. But if you are, just stay clear of those little ticket booths. Yeah, the, yeah those places are either 
um, trying to get you to do a timeshare, or they're just a complete ripoff. If anybody asks you if you're visiting or if you live here, all you have to do is scream at the top of your lungs, I hate timeshare, and they'll leave you alone. Um, you know, it, it, there are a lot of ticket brokers in town that are legitimate. The one that we work with is the official ticket center. If you go to our tickets page uh, on the Diz, uh, we have the gate price and the official ticket center price on a lot of tickets. Uh, they will deliver them to your hotel room. Do not use these kiosks. Do not use the kiosks. Because if you lose your tickets um, and you buy them at these kiosks, if they even work... and we, th- I'm th- sorry, and we do have a financial relationship yeah. with the official ticket center. so There's no way to replace them. And in some of these places, they tell you to bring the ticket back if you have any leftover days. And yeah, that's buy craziness. It back from, oh, it's well, I see, it used to be like that when you could do that because there was a time where Disney didn't identify you through your pass. that They would actually stamp it with a... Like a rubber stamp for the date. You know, if you bought a seven-day pass, you had seven spots. And they, you know, they had no way to know whose pass it was. So, yeah, you could go to these people. They could easily see there were three unused days and pay you a certain amount of money, sell it to somebody else who could also see there were three unused days. As soon as they went to the cards, the card tickets, now you can't tell. Now you don't know. That's one of the reasons they went to that that format was because they, they don't want people to be able to readily know how many days are on a ticket. So you really don't. If somebody's telling you, if you're buying something from a kiosk and they're selling you one of these tickets and they're telling you there's three days on there, might as well just give them your money and walk away. You're not going to get anything. And didn't some office just recently get broken into that tickets were stolen? Yeah. So just be careful of where you buy your ticket from. Because with something like that, they have the ability to then go and cancel those tickets because they have serial numbers on them. So they can go and so if you could buy a ticket, I'm sure the t- those tickets are already canceled. They've right. already called in those those serial numbers and so. What's your What's your sister finding out that people are showing up with tickets? Well, the, um, this one lady um, was flipping out because her daughter lost one of the tickets, and my sister's like, "It's okay, we can replace them." And she says, "No, we bought them at this little kiosk on 192. That their tickets had someone else's names on them, and, and supposedly she, they were supposed to return them when they were done with them." Yeah, it was a oh. whole big mess. <laughs> return them, <laughs> return them. Yeah. I know. But I mean, really, what's your time worth by the time you're, re- you know, going and buying them and then returning them? Isn't your time worth something on vacation? Yeah. It's amazing what people will do. Yeah, you know. It's amazing what they'll spend to get something for free. So, all right. Well, thank you very much for that, Darlene. Who else? I do. (laughs) Julie beat Kevin. Kevin had the paper in his hand and everything. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This one is from Sandra Lim in California. Specifically for me or any of the other women at the table, I'll be heading to Disneyland within the next month, and I'll start my seventh month of pregnancy while there. It's our first baby. Other than needing more rest, I feel great. I'm not having trouble getting around, and I'm not having any balance issues. So I was wondering, besides those rides that the park guides specifically say that I should avoid, do you have any advice on which other rides I might want to avoid or might be okay to go on? Should I avoid rides that have a moving walkway as part of the loading and unloading process? How about Toy Story Mania or Soarin'? Any other tips for touring the parks at this stage of my pregnancy would be great. I've been to Disneyland many times, so this should be a relaxed, slow-paced trip. Those last couple of words, relaxed and slow-paced, those will be the key to you having a good time at seven months, I believe. Um, when I was seven months along, I didn't go to the parks. I, it's not somewhere I wanted to be. First of all, being in Florida, even though it was October, it was really hot. 
Um, we were both in a wedding at that time. People thought I was about to pop at seven months. <laughs> but I did carry really large. Oh, you um, did not. You were, you were very small. <laughs> on my belly, specifically. That's what I'm talking about. But I would say that Soren and Toy Story Mania are, are okay to go on. Um, Toy Story Mania is a little rough because it does spin you and you know you're constantly kind of moving it is a little jerky so that's kind of a your call kind of thing um i didn't go on it at the does unplug uh, unplug toy story mania meet because i was four weeks from my due date you know i really yeah. didn't want to break my water and go into labor in front of all those people so <laughs> <laughs> this really is 3d <laughs> <laughs> and um, all that spinning, it's splattered. <laughs> I think Soren is a great ride to go on, no matter uh, probably how far along you are. There's not anything that says you can't. There's also nothing that says that you can't go on Toy Story Mania. That's basically up to you. Um, you might want to miss Mission Space. <laughs> yeah. Really? She's going to be in Disneyland. Uh, yeah. Um, so stick to the ones that say you can't ride, and it'll be your judgment call on the ones that you might be a little iffy. The walkways that move, you're not going to be able to see your feet at seven months, more than likely. If you do choose to go on those rides, I'd say take an extra precaution. Um, have someone kind of helping you as if you were some, as if you were the grandmother, you know, help you getting on and off the ride to make sure you don't fall or lose balance. Um, I'd hate to see something happen to you or your baby while you're trying to have a nice time at Disneyland. Exactly. Yeah. It's really- I know with my daughter, we, we rode a lot of benches while the rest of the group went off and did things. And that was a chance for us to catch up on things rather than right. trying to decide if a ride was good enough for her. Maybe this should be the trip where you people watch and just really mm-hmm. take in the scenery, enjoy, you know, Because there's a parades. lot to see in the parks if you take the time to sit there and watch it. Exactly. You know, if it was earlier on, I would say you could go gung-ho. You know, you can go and do and you're not going to have any issue. But at seven months, you know, right now you may not be feeling so, you, you might be feeling great, but you may not be feeling so good after walking around for a couple of hours and your right. feet hurt and your back hurts and, you know, you need to get back to the hotel room, so just definitely take it easy. Kill some time in the shops outside of the uh, big rides that you definitely can't go on. I'd avoid that Ferris wheel that spins you around. Yeah, if you're going <laughs> to ride the Ferris wheel, go on the stationary cart. <laughs> yeah, really. So, all right, well, thank you for that, Julie. Who else has an email they'd like to read? I do. Kevin. Mine is from Greg Backert in Mount Vernon, Indiana. Please make sure the 40-inch height limitation is calibrated universally throughout the park. Our grandson made the limit on some rides and did not on others. Very upsetting. Greg, I'm going to have weights and measures go out this week and fix this for you, okay? (laughs) You do realize we don't have anything, any control over this, right? I, I don't think there's any way I can do this. I think what they're doing is they're looking to protect your son, uh, grandson. Yeah, they're looking to protect your grandson. And let's err on the side of caution. And if he just doesn't make it, he will next time. Maybe he's shrinking during the day. Put some socks in his shoes. Don't tell people. <laughs> you're, taller, you're taller first thing in the morning. It's very true. That is true. Your vertebrae contract. Maybe that was the and problem. And don't some of the rides give you like a special little pass that if you're not tall enough, I'm trying to think of Soren does. It's not does. been a problem for me. I don't know. But I think Soren and I think there's some other ones that they give you like a little pass that the next time they come back, they can do it. It's like more to make the little kid feel, feel better because they didn't get to ride it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that, Kevin. Our next voicemail comes to us from Dan, who has some questions about Disneyland. So here is Dan. Hi, this is podcast team. This is Dan Heaton. 
Um, D.W. Heaton on the board, though I'm more of a lurker than someone who posts a lot. I have a qu uh, two questions relating to Disneyland mostly. But first, uh, my wife and I just had a little girl. Um, she's nine weeks old. And, of course, as a crazy Disney fan, I just can't wait to schedule our first Disney trip. But I'm not somebody who really wants to drag a baby around the park. So my question is, when do you think would be a good time to bring a young child for the first trip to Disney? My thought was maybe two and a half to three, where they actually would get something out of it and it wouldn't be just for us. And then along with that, my other question is, my thought is that possibly Disneyland is a better first trip because it's smaller, has a lot of rides that they don't have at the other park that are for kids, like the storybook land boats and things like that. So I was thinking that might be a better first trip than the giant nature of Walt Disney World. wondered if you agreed and what you thought about what was the good age. And uh, love the show. Would uh, love to hear your feedback. Thanks a lot. Bye. Well, thank you very much for calling in, Dan. We appreciate the phone call. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, I think he's right on two and a half or three years old. Um, we have two nieces that are planning to come in October, possibly, and they're both right at two and a half years old. Um, I know they probably won't remember the trip specifically, but being here, it'll just blow their minds. Yeah. Even if you're just visiting one park. I don't know. I still have memories of our family vacations when I was three, so you never know. My brother has sporadic ones from being three years old. Um, even at five, mine aren't totally, you know, intact. I remember specific things, but not everything. I'm of the belief that kids should be older. I think a lot of times... Um, 17. Again, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I look at the things from... Even from the advantage of sitting in a wheelchair, I push my mom around a lot. When it gets crowded, you're looking at butts. I mean, unless your kid's walking and doing things like that, a lot of what they're going to see is the back of people's legs. It gets very, very crowded. And unless you're coming at a time when it's a little less crowded, I think that's kind of hard for a kid. I think they should be a little bit older. Depends on what you want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. I think Dan has a really good point. If you want a trip that's really about you with this kid then younger's okay just remember that it's about the kid and you have to completely change what you want to do you know does that make sense i know i've had my didn't i say kind of the same thing no i've I had my granddaughter there when she was like a year yeah. and a half but then we knew you know that we weren't going to spend a whole lot of time in the park now if you're coming from far away and this is your big disney trip i think you'd want to wait Longer, but I mean, she tolerated it at a year and a half, and it was fun seeing Disney through her eyes. Right. Well, I think he's smart to to maybe take on Disneyland first mm -hmm. with that age of a child, two and a half or three years old. He's right. It's much smaller. It's not so gung ho where you're going to four theme parks, possibly a water park, possibly downtown Disney, and right. just dragging them all over the place and making it miserable for all of you. Although transportation, I think, is better here. Than out there, don't you think? Like if the kid was having a bad well, day to no, get back to I, their resort? I disagree because, first of all, you're going to be back at your resort quicker regardless mm -hmm. in Disneyland, even if you're staying off-site. Mm -hmm. I guess. You're going to be at your resort quicker um, at Disneyland than you are at Disney World. That's first. Second, um, you know, out here, Disney World, Disney bus transportation, boat transportation, all monorail, all that stuff is very good. Um, they need all that for the size that we mm -hmm. have out here. Whereas in, in Disneyland, 
if you're in the parks and you want to go back to your hotel and you're staying on site, you walk back to your hotel. Uh, the Grand Californian is the closest, followed by the Disneyland Hotel and then the Paradise Pier. I also think you have to take into consideration how old the kids should be when you're going to leave them in the room. You know. <laughs> well, apparently, two, two and between four, two and four is a good age. Good age. <laughs> Only if you're going to the pool. So, all right. Well, thank you for calling in with that, Dan. Who has an email they'd like to read? I have, I have one. Go ahead. This is from Philip Wellington in Kansas. Uh, well, you took mine. Uh, I should have went. I should have went. <laughs> hey, gang. You only New brought one? Okay. New fan to the show and loving it. I am listening to all the older shows listening loaded to iTunes between the newly posted shows. My question is regard in regards to going to an event. Sp- sp- I can't talk today. Specifically so food it. and wine. <laughs> Do you find it better to go the first week, the last week, or somewhere in the middle? Like wine, does the event get better with age, or do cast members take more care earlier on? I have heard comments from you about seasonal shows being great on opening night and losing quality as the show goes on, and then I have heard bad reviews of opening nights. Thanks, and keep up the magic. PJ Weekly on the boards. I don't... I I think it gets better as it goes on. I agree, because a lot of these people are... um, Disney College Program kids, and usually they're testing things out on the first week with, yeah. the, with new payment systems. Oh, here's a payment card. Go up here, and I think they get into the rhythm as it goes mm-hmm. on. And I would also, like we said before, with Disneyland, stay away from Saturdays and Sundays because this is a big Florida resident thing too. A lot of Florida residents go there on the weekends, so I would say middle. Go towards the middle mm-hmm. on the weekday. Yeah, it's definitely on the weekday. Flower and Garden gets better as it goes along. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. don't go the last weekend. Because then that, that's like when everybody who hasn't made it there decides to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's just no way for these college uh, program kids to train for this. I mean, you can say, do this, do this, but they're not going to be prepared the first day for the, the crowds and lines of people. I know we were there this past year. You and I both were there. And like the day before, they were having issues with the registers. Then the next day, they didn't have the signs up. And it took them, what, maybe a good week before they finally got the kinks worked out. Yep. Now, um, of all the yearly events that go on at Disney, um, what's your favorite, Kathy? Oh, that's tough. Um, um, Probably Flower and Garden, but Food and Wine would be really close to that. Okay. Jules? Food and Wine. Food and wine, hands down. Candlelight processional. Flower and garden. Food and wine. Walter? Food and wine. Yes, yeah, the food and wine wins. <laughs> it's the best event ever. <laughs> just, it just came into my head, sorry. I thought I saw, too, that Louisiana isn't going to be back. They're not going to have, like, a They do a different state every year. I know, but so. that, that they weren't going to have, like, a featured city. Oh. I heard that in... I think Some that, that would have been a nice tradition if they uh, did that yeah, every year. I liked it. Because yeah. they did Oklahoma, I then they did Louisiana. Yeah. I wonder why they're not going to do yeah. it. So I'm hoping... Because it was very successful for yeah. uh, New Orleans, yeah. wasn't it? Absolutely. It was great for tourism there. I really wish they would keep on yeah, doing so that. So let's hope they're wrong on that one. No, nope, let's hope. Could do like Delaware. Hey, nothing wrong with Delaware. I just can't think of anything <laughs> from Delaware, so I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> we had seafood. Sorry, Kathy. I think they should do Newark. (laughs) (laughs) Secaucus. Secaucus. You know, they could do like Chicago. Chicago would be a a good place. It's my kind of town. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you for that, Kathy. Who else has an email they'd like to read? I have one. I just dug one up. 
Um, this is from CMG1, code name, um, from California. I have a question regarding the Disney water parks. My husband and I plan to visit in December and would love to experience Blizzard Beach or Typhoon Lagoon during our stay. I'm a large size gal, about 280 pounds. Are there weight restrictions on the slides or any of the water rides? Corey, given your past work at the water parks, did you ever experience any issues on slides with uh, larger guests? No, never. I've, and I've seen them of all sizes. So I've never seen any issues. The main issue that I've uh, run into is getting into some of the tubes at the top of the slides. Yeah. Um, like downhill double dipper, that's one you need to get yourself in the tube. That's really the only issue. And also in the creek because you're, you're about three and a half feet of water and you need to get yourself in that tube. But beyond that, no. I think you're good. Cool. What's and I would say a lot of people think that you can't swim in December. And I always say to people, if you're from a cold climate and you come down here in December, the water will feel really good. Now, now all of us who are Floridians would not <laughs> even get anywhere near water. But I can remember being in Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon in December. Yeah, I remember lifeguarding around that time, and it was cold. Um, I have long pants on and a sweater. And a sweater. We used to make fun of those lifeguards that were dressed like that till we moved yeah. here and, and found out what they were up against. You change <laughs> from a lifeguard to a coach really fast because you don't want to jump in the water. You're like, come on, kick your feet, little buddy. You can make <laughs> it. <laughs> Hold your head above the water. You can make it. They stand there. Water's good for you. They stand there with a the stopwatch. How long has he been under? <laughs> I do not want to get wet. <laughs> What's that big slide? At Summit Plummet. Summit Plummet. I did Summit Plummet one year. We have I, I don't know where it is, but we had video of it. Yeah, that's right. So much water came out of when I hit the bottom, the children were literally washed <laughs> into the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was like this tidal wave. <laughs> Tsunami John. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, thank you for that, Corey. Our next voicemail comes to us from Aaron, who has some things to say about Miss Julie. So here's Aaron. Hey, Diz team. This is Aaron from North Carolina. I know a lot of people have been calling in lately about how John's a genius and Peter's a virtuo, and both of those are true. However, um, today I'm calling in to talk about one of the Wonder Women at the table. Yes, Mrs. Julie Martin. I like to call her indestructible, if you will. <laughs> she gave birth to the adorable little Ferris and was spotted the very next day power walking through the Magic Kingdom with him on her shoulder. <laughs> I, I think that Julie Martin will be the next president of the United States of America one day, so everybody better watch out. And don't even get her started about rapid fires when it comes around the round table because she will jump at her chance to get hers in first like a fat kid would on an ice cream truck. <laughs> Martin is, you go, girl. And the rest of the team, keep up the great work. It really is a great show each and every week, and it's definitely one of my favorite Disney podcasts. Thanks. Bye. Oh, that was so sweet, Aaron. Oh, she's all teary-eyed. <laughs> you made her for glimpse. Poor Julie. She gave birth and went to Disney World. They used to squat in a field, pop the kid out, and go back to picking potatoes. <laughs> Bring on the drugs. <laughs> oh, I thought that was cute. Yeah. I thought it was so that. cute. And he was in North Carolina, so I, I really enjoyed that accent. Teresa, did you notice we did get Wonder Women in there? So, yeah, we have a subtitle. <laughs> well, if we're going to get to choose who we are, I want to be Supergirl. That works. All right. Okay. okay. Well, you should come next Sounds week dressed as Supergirl. <laughs> and then we'll call you Supergirl. We'll make believe we don't know you're Julie Martin. He didn't leave any information for me to contact It's him. your cousin. Don't worry about it. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Have him on speed dial. Just send it to the same address you send the check. 
Yeah, Aaron, go ahead and send a, an email to podcast at www.info.com. So Address can... it to Supergirl. <laughs> All right. Who else has an email they'd like to read? I do. I, <clears throat> this one is from David Sedell in Roswell, Georgia. He said, last October, my family and I were down in Orlando for five days. On one of the days off from the parks, my five-year, five-year-old son and I went to Port Orleans Riverside to do some fishing at Old Man Island's Fish Hole. His advertise is being stocked, but in 45 minutes we were fishing, we didn't catch a single fish. In fact, of the dozen and so people that were there fishing, only one person caught a fish, and it was a bluegill. I want to take him out once again this fall when we get back, but I don't want to do the whole fishing excursion. Are there any other cane poles or casting pole areas to fish on property? I asked a few cast members and even called the 1-800 numbers. Um who handles the excursions. No one knew of any other places to fish. Um, thanks again for the great, useful information. Yeah, they have a place at uh, Fort Wilderness next to... Uh, oh, that's right. There is a fishing pond there. Was it behind the bike barn? Behind the bike barn and behind the um, uh, the, the general store, the big general store. The big general store. Um, Will went fishing there. Yeah. And I know that one's supposed to be stocked, too. But, yeah, uh, there was quite a few people fishing that last time we went. At Fort Wilderness, yeah. Fort Wilderness, behind the bike barn and the big general store. That's right. I didn't even think of that. You're right. Is the bluegill bad? It's tiny. If it's stocked, you're expecting something like a bass. Oh. But with a cane pole, wouldn't you rather catch a, you know, a bluegill than, a, like, a bass on a cane pole? You're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know from my fishing days that... You know. You'd rather catch a bass. Like, when my kids just wanted to catch fish, we were thrilled. We got, you know, we went by the rule of anything that wanted to leap onto the uh-huh. hook was a good thing. <laughs> leap onto the yeah, hook. You know. Now, was it cane fishing? At I know they rented fishing poles at Fort Wilderness, so I don't know if it was... Mm-hmm. I guess there's a difference between mm-hmm. cane fishing mm-hmm. and pole fishing. Yes. I don't remember if they were cane fish. I think at Fort Wilderness you can use, like, a rod and a reel. Like you rod. don't think you can do cane I don't, I, I don't see why can. you couldn't use both. But I don't think they had them there where at Port Orleans oh. they have the cane poles there for you to use. I think if you want to increase your chances, you should go to the aquarium at Living Seas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll get something good there. Well, thank you very much for that, Walter. Um, who else has an email I'd like to read? I have one. Mine is from Lacey. And Lacey asked... How much did it cost to get into Disneyland on opening day? And I'm curious if any of you guys know. I I have I did hear. I, I think it was like five dollars. It was like a dollar. Anybody else? No any clue. other guesses? But then you had to pay for the rides, right? Any other guesses? It was yeah, it was like five dollars to get in and then you had to buy a book of tickets. Actually, opening day was free. Oh, mm. trick question. Opening yeah. day was by invitation only. But the first day of actually opening up, it was $1 to get in, and it was the, you had to buy the tickets for the park, and it ranged anywhere from $0.10 cents to $0.35. Cents. Hang on, I have to pat myself on the back. Because you <laughs> got it right? Mm-hmm. I just thought that was interesting, but yeah, the forget the first day was by invitation only, and it was press and invited guests. Well, bully for you. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for that, uh, John. Who else has an email they'd like to read? I have another one. <laughs> Teresa, do you have any? I have a bunch here, but 
having just been thrown at the table. You, yes, you were thrown at the table. <laughs> Anybody read the up. one from Jay Darling yet? I was out of the room with Ferris. No. From Escondido, California. Let me say that again. Escondido, California. <laughs> Escondido. He's from Escondido. <laughs> There's something wrong with that. I missed it. Okay. Where is he from? Escondido, California. We got it. Actually, Jay might be a girl. Jay Darling. Okay, can you Jay read the email, please? <laughs> we spent 20 minutes on the name and the town. How tall do you think they are? I don't know. Hey, podcast team, Jay Darling from Escondido. <laughs> I asked this question of one of many of your... Let me start over. I asked this question of one of your dreams unlimited travel agents, and she wasn't sure. That's why we didn't read it. Because <laughs> it has made us look bad. <laughs> so I'm hoping you'll address this on the show. My friend and I... hope I, it's a really tough question. I hope so, too. I haven't read it yet. My friend and I have been poo-sized most of our lives. Well, we're working on changing that and have, great, have had great success. In fact, we're both be participating in the Women's Dance Can triathlon, triathlon in Disneyland, California in October, and we couldn't be more excited. It'll be my second triathlon and, the, and her first. All pr- proceeds go to a good cause, breast cancer. All right, then we go down to the actual question. I read that Disney will charge gastric bypass patients the child's price for buffets since they are physically unable to eat as much as an adult. Is that true? Yes. Is it really? Yes. <laughs> okay. Really? Yes. <laughs> you can go and get a guest assistance card if you explain it to them. Uh, and explain that you've had weight loss surgery. I mean, Julie's not going to get away with it. Trust me. Um, but <laughs> I, if you, I, I'd never heard of that. Yeah, if okay. you, because people who have had weight loss surgery can usually eat a very small amount of food. So what they do is they charge them the child's price. Oh, that's good. Can you confirm this? If it's true, do we need to bring documentation from our doctors? You need to show your scar. <laughs> I don't believe shirt. you need documentation from the doctor. <laughs> However, I don't think it would hurt to have it. It's my understanding that you all you have to do is explain that you've had weight loss surgery. Okay, this came from Jay Darling in Escondido, <laughs> California. We had somebody else that sent us this question in regards to uh, Chef Mickey's buffet. If you get a discount there, so I believe it's in any of the buffets. That's you, cool, though. You also can. Uh, Disney's very, very good about offering adults the child's menu. Also, there's no questions ever asked. I think, though, the question becomes the buffet. Right. It, yeah. and they yes, have well, to believe you. So you yes. have to take. You have to get a guest assistance card. So it's a matter of going into guest services and explaining your situation, and they will, by all means, allow you to do it. So don't just show up at a buffet and say, "I want the child's price." Correct. Okay. I, the people that are going to do this are going to ha- understand that they have to explain it. Uh, those that are going to try and do it just to save money, they're the ones that will try it at the buffet. Good question, though. Very good I've question. never heard it asked nope. before. And where were question. they from? And good answer. Escondido, California. And now our agents know the answer, too, because they all listen to the show, right? Mm-hmm. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> or you might get thrown at the table. Yeah, really. <laughs> All right. Well, while we're on the subject of dining, uh, our next voicemail comes to us from Jessica, who's having some frustrations with Disney dining. That's not hard to imagine. So here's Jessica. 
Hi, Pete and the podcast crew. This is Jessica Lucier from Massachusetts. I'm Figment3258 on the board. I'm just calling because I got off the phone with a frustrated Disney cast member probably after my phone call trying to make my dining reservations 90 days out to the date at 7 a.m. in the morning while doing them online also trying. I just wanted to call and complain. And I know that I was trying to get some of the best restaurants, but... We originally were staying at Port Orleans during September 28th through October 3rd using the free dining, and then recently we switched to Disney's Beach Club with the 35% off Visa card holder rate and decided to pay for the dining plan because the restaurants we were going to stay at would pay for us to pay for the dining plan while also getting our 35% off the room. Well, now I've canceled the dining plan because it's definitely not worth it where we're eating. I couldn't get with Delier for the entire time I was there, for any day at any time from 4 to 9 p.m., which I thought was a little ridiculous. Also, I couldn't get Chef Mickey's for breakfast until the last day on our trip, which came up for me, and I couldn't get 1900 Park Fair for dinner any day at all, which I thought was ridiculous because I remember when we were there, it was dead by the time 7 o'clock hits at night. So my plan is just to walk up and try to get in. I couldn't even get T-Rex, and I know what you all think of T-Rex, but for someone with two little kids, they might enjoy it. God's doing you a favor. <laughs> so that's my little mini rant and a bit of frustration for a surprise vacation for her two kids without her husband going with my mother. I just think there's something wrong. And if they really are using a cast system as it's been posted on the board, something's not right. Well, thank you for listening to me. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, thank you for calling Jessica, I think there are a lot of people that can feel your pain, uh, especially if you're, uh, I'm guessing that you're probably uh, traveling here in September. So uh, the, during free dining, that's just insanity. Yeah, it's very hard to get a restaurant. On top of that, uh, Disney guests are allowed to book their reservations 90 days plus 10. Meaning that when you go to book your reservations, you can do it. Even at the 90-day mark, you can do it for 10 days beyond that with your Disney reservation number. So even though you're starting at the 90 days, somebody else might have started yesterday and had 10 days ahead of you. The other thing is, I don't think they're releasing all reservations at all times. I'm finding that if you call the day of... I have not had a problem getting into any place. Now, keep in mind, I'm not trying to get into Chef Mickey's or La Cellier. Exactly. But I think what's happening is, I, I don't. I think this online dining thing and the fact that people can do it, as you can do it constantly, all day, every day, if you want to do it. That reservations, I think what's happening now is we're having a, a bigger problem with double booking. Mm-hmm. Because now they don't even have to ask permission to do it. I just want to say you're not alone in your frustration. Our our agents talk about this all the time. Uh, emails fly back and forth. They don't understand how they're up and they're ready to do it. And the first thing they get is no availability at a for moment. any time for any place. Right. Exactly. It's just ridiculous the way it's set up. Um, I agree with Kevin. They're not putting all their availability in. I believe we have multiple bookings in place too. Um, but I will say this: I do not believe that there is a cast system with advanced dining reservations. We have agents who have clients that range from concierge level to all-stars, and it doesn't seem to be that there's any trick. The folks on the deluxe dining plan aren't getting reservations either. Exactly. It doesn't matter what dining plan you're on. doesn't matter what resort you're at. 
we're seeing the same level of frustration across the board. So I don't believe that that cast system's in place yet. I just think it's another function of Disney not thinking this through. And I would keep checking back because I know as being a local, I've picked up some reservations for things that I could never, ever get in the past, and they're there. So they must open them up at different times to keep keep checking. Keep checking back. There'll be cancellations. There'll be more availability open up. We see that happen, too, where people get so uh, frustrated that first day, or maybe a month later, something might open up. And for Le Cellier, think of a a lunch, because a lot of people go, it has to be dinner. A lot of times you'll find availability for lunch. Especially if you're willing to take one of the shoulder times. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. The very early lunch, or the very late lunch, or the very early dinner. So, I hope that helps out, Jessica. Best of luck uh, getting your getting your reservations. Who else has an email they'd like to read? I don't, but I do have something to share with you. All right. You all have taken a boat trip with one of our posters on the board, who is a captain on one of the Disney boats. Mm-hmm. Tom. Uh, he has posted that he, is, he wants you to know that he has added this to his welcome speech when people get on the boards. Welcome aboard the, and you fill in the name of the ship, The water we're traveling over today is approximately 14 feet deep and home to alligators, water moccasins, and brain-sucking amoeba. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy, be careful. Be careful, buddy. Don't get yourself in trouble. (laughs) So stay out of the lake. I I thought you would enjoy that. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, I can hear him doing that. For that, Tommy gets to pick a number. So, Tommy, email, email a number in. I tell you what. Let me tell him. Um... Yeah, just don't get yourself in trouble, <laughs> please. I can throw rocks from here. You can't. <laughs> but uh, that's really cool. All right. Um, email anyone. Anyone. I have another one. Yanni. You look at me with trepidation. <laughs> What's he coming up with? He's got a blank piece of paper in front of him. I do. <laughs> I have one from Treyer. And Treyer simply asks. He's just making this up as he goes. I am. What is the top speed of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad? 35 miles an hour. Anybody else? No. I saw that. I saw the email, but I have no clue. Kevin? 41 miles an hour. Oh, no. 52. It's actually 38 miles an hour. Huh. Wow. And there's a big, long thing of explanation. I was closest without going over. Price is right rules. (laughs) (laughs) Price is right rules. (laughs) Have you had your dog neutered? Yes, as a matter of fact. There's actually a very long explanation, too, about how even though it's 38 miles an hour is the top speed, you probably will never reach that because that's like ideal conditions. The track being warmed up, ideally, the the trains running at their optimum So it probably is 35 miles an hour. Yeah. I'm factoring in the... (laughs) (laughs) I was just automatically factoring in all that stuff. The peak coefficient is what he was (laughs) using in there. Thank you, John. All right. Who has another email they would like to read? I do. Walter. And this one comes from Carrie Beecham. She said, I know staying out of the damn lakes has gotten Pete some ribbing, but I do want to sincerely thank him for giving us the information. We stayed at the Polynesian in May 2008 and took our boys, four and two, at the time. Um, we lived in Chicago and take our kids to Lake Michigan all the time, despite the less than sanitary conditions in the lake. Um, so just as you say, as parents, we saw a beautiful beach and thought, no problem. We were told to get out of the water by a cast member, and frankly, because of the less than informative signs, we felt a bit put off. Like Disney was hyper-cautious of a lawsuit for us stubbing our toes. 
We have braved the, we have braved the E. coli-laced waters of Lake Michigan, and after all, we could handle this. Well, now we know. We stayed at the Fort Wilderness Lodge in this May, and we knew not to get into the lakes. Though, fortunately, it was during one of the rainy... It was during a time of... It was raining in biblical proportions, so we couldn't get to the lake anyway. Um, we'll stay out of the future. So a sincere thanks for all the public service you provide. I know if anyone's going to get a brain-eating amoeba, it would be me. Uh, so she <laughs> wanted to thank you for the information, which... Um, since you brought it up, you see it about, I think I've seen it on the news like four or five times. Since oh, the profile mm-hmm. of it this year is much higher than it's been it's in years very past. High. I think it's because of the weather we're having. I think it's because it's been so hot. It's been very hot, and that's, that's, that's another condition that has to be in place for this bacteria to, to live, uh, this amoeba to live. It's got to be, uh, you got to be in a lake, it's got to be warm. The water temperature's got to be, what did they say? At it least was? 80. At least 80 degrees. So it's got to be a warm lake. Um, those are the conditions that it's a, a natural lake, um, and it's got to be at least eighty degrees. Those are the conditions that the the, the amoeba needs to exist. And any lake in Florida pretty much meets that criteria, yep, absolutely, right now. especially right now. And uh, yeah, that's well. I'm glad that I'm glad that she uh, she got something from that. So thank you for writing in, Teresa. You have one. I do. This is from Sonia in Birmingham, Alabama. You want to say that seven times? No. Birmingham, 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 Birmingham. <laughs> I'm Sonia Liz Agna from the boards. My family and I are planning to go down to Walt Disney World for a quick three-night trip in November, 11-12 to 11-15. While we're there, we're planning to do Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party on 11-13. I know the Christmas events at the other parks do not start until the day after Thanksgiving, but will there be decorations up at the other parks? Will the characters be dressed in their holiday outfits? I guess what I'm asking is, will there still will it still feel like a Christmas trip, even though we won't be going, won't be doing the Osborne lights or the candlelight procession? I love the show. Thanks, Sonia. You start seeing some stuff go up in the week before, two weeks before uh, Thanksgiving, um, but. You really, I don't think, I don't think you're going to see like. There's not going to be a parade, no, Christmas parade, no, or nothing no, like no. that. You can only see that at Mickey's very merry Christmas party, anyway, and on Christmas Day. Uh, but no, no. So I mean, you'll see some stuff. Is it going to feel like a Christmas trip? Not the, not it's no. not the Christmas stuff I get at a, at a Disney, which is the candlelight processional, the Osborne lights, being able to go around to the resorts and see the different. Uh, but she's going to the, the. Merry, very Mickey Mouse party thingy. So <laughs> well spoken. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's all a bunch of you can initials. say Miss Candido, but you can't say Mickey's very merry Christmas party. <laughs> oh, she's going to the Christmas party on. Yeah, she's going to the Christmas party, so she'll get the parade. She'll, uh, she's going to the Christmas party. There's going to be plenty of Christmas stuff. She's there. going to the Christmas party. But if she's talking about <laughs> the low, I'm listening. If she's talking about going to the parks. In general, at that time of the year, and is she going to see characters dressed up, and is she going to see all the decorations? No. No. There will be decorations up in the Magic Kingdom for the Christmas party, but beyond, I mean, like I said, you'll see some stuff going up in other parks in the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. Everything's ready for the day after Thanksgiving. It's actually ready for Thanksgiving, but right. um, a lot of stuff starts the day after And then if you go at any time, you'll see them in their little yes, outfits. Yes, but if you're going before time, okay. if you're going before that period, no, you're not going to see that. Got it. If you're going to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, regardless of when it is, yes, you will get to see all that stuff in the Magic Kingdom, but that's that. <laughs> cool. Anybody else have anything to add to that? 
That was no. Okay. Overexplained perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to. Teresa just kept having this quiz, this quizzed look on her face. Though. She has that all the time. That's true. <laughs> She's That's got true. that qua. She just, <laughs> she just put her eyebrows on different this morning. Something. I don't know. Qua. All right, well, thank you for that, Teresa. Kathy, I know you have one. Okay, this is from Rita in New Jersey. Hi, podcast crew. I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoy listening to the podcast each week. I love hearing honest opinions from the team instead of the usual Disney worship I hear on other shows. I have been listening now for about a year. I also have to tell you, a couple of weeks ago, I heard you talk about how much Diz Radio listenership has gone up recently. I guess most people started off using the discussion boards and then discovered the Disney music, but I have to say that I was the opposite. I started off listening to Diz Radio first and then discovered the podcast. In fact, Diz Radio is played all day long at my house, every day. I put it on only for my parakeet in the morning and don't shut it off until he goes to bed at night. So I can be, I, I should use Diz Radio to start teaching her parakeet like bad words. <laughs> that, yes. Diz, Diz Radio is apparently for the birds. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Every morning after I tune in, he gets very excited. (laughs) That was beneath you. (laughs) Anyway, here is my question. I was looking at pictures from a trip we took to Disney years ago, and they got me to wondering, what are they doing with Discovery Island now? Is Disney using it for anything, or do they have plans for it in the future? It seems to be such a waste not to use it because it really was such a pretty place. Thanks for giving me such an interesting show each week to listen to. That was a long way to that question. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Every time I go by there, I wish I had gone over there when they actually used it. And it does seem sort of a shame that they don't do anything on the island. My favorite rumor is they're turning it into a blast attraction. <laughs> mm. That would be interesting. It's my understanding that it's become a bird sanctuary, and it's infested with alligators and snakes. Yeah, you would. And it's protected now. Disney has it protected. It's a green space now. Yeah, Disney has it zoned as protected land. So, it's sort of neat though when you go by on the boats and you see like the the buildings like decaying, like and you can hear the screaming. (laughs) 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 But I mean, when when it was around, did you did they have a boat that took you over? I mean, obviously they had to, but no, they made you swim in between the water (laughs) moccasins and the amoeba. Where did it go from, like, Fort Wilderness, or...? I think you could get there from Fort Wilderness. I think we went from the Contemporary, also. Yeah. Okay. It was that you paid for it. It was an extra... Attra- um, and it, okay. And you got over there. you could have added to your ticket, yeah. And they had... Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a cavat or a cavet. It was a special kind of... They used to have these little animals. It was like... It looked like it was part rabbit. And they hopped all over the island. And they had a couple of the great big tortoises. And there were birds and stuff oh, like wow. that. And there were raised walkways. Yeah. Through. They told you to bring, like, bug spray. And they sold bug spray there. But it, I forget how much it is. I have an old brochure of it at home. And yep. then most of those creatures ended up in Animal Kingdom? Right. They closed it just before they opened Animal Kingdom. They left them there. Now it's like Lord of the Flies. <laughs> Because There's I can remember, like Caribbean Beach used to have cast members there, and it turned into Lord of the Flies. Doctor Marley, the Caribbean Beach had parrots in cages that went to Discovery Island, and then I heard that then they, they like to move it, move it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what? neat to, to know what it used to be. Hmm. So hopefully that answered your question. All right. Well, thank you for that, Kathy. Our final voicemail this week comes to us from Tracy in Australia, who has some questions for the team. So here is Tracy. 
Hi, Pete and the podcast crew. This is uh, Tracy for Tracy Cosinex from Australia, Tessa K on the board. Now, the questions I've got, a few of them, I'm trying to look at getting onto the podcast crew's number two, but I won't actually know whether a family would be expected to be in the USA until the 1st of July next year. John mentioned in one of his posts that group space is going to close soon, but the deposits are refundable up to a certain date. Now, can you tell me whether that's going to be before or after 1st of July next year? Next question. Do you know whether Dream is going to put together any sort of special with Swan and Dolphin, like they did for podcast crews number one, the days before and, and or after? the cruise and if not uh, can you tell me whether their special for teachers also extends to Australian university lecturers or if it's just purely USA teachers and the last one question I've got relates to transportation around Orlando you've on your last uh, discussion you had a bit of a rant about uh, taxis and mirrors and stuff and sometimes you've been advising callers to hire a car to get around, save yourself the weight or relying on other transportation if we wanted to, say, do a bit of uh, outlet shopping or go to Discovery Cove and that sort of thing. Well, Quick Price Up says that uh, car hire for three people when you add all of the insurances that, as Aussies, we don't have on US cars, looks at about $100 a day. Now, that can buy you a lot of taxis or a lot of town cars. So what would you advise? Do we risk life, limb and virtue by getting into a taxi? Or is there some way of scheduling town cars to get around? You've spoken in an earlier podcast about the Swan and Dolphin that they automatically, when you say cab, book you town cars. Is that still the case or is there something you can do to be able to get home from various um, outlets and the rest? Anyway, I do love your show and I'm hopefully going to get over to see you, Pete, when you're in Sydney. That's bye for now. Well, thank you very much for calling, Tracy. you got a lot of questions there, so let's, uh, let's see if we can answer them. Um, in terms of, of town car service, the... Official town car service for the DIS and the boards is FL Tours. We've had a relationship with them for many years. We did take a little break for a few months. Uh, had nothing to do with the current owners. Uh, that was a whole other matter altogether. But uh, the uh, you know we're, we're very happy with FL Tours. Take great care of our people. Uh, that's who we use. Uh, that's who I use when I need a car service for the most part. A lot of times I forget to call them with enough advance notice and I'm calling him the night before I need an airport pickup and sometimes he's like you know a few days wouldn't kill you <laughs> but uh, so that's who we recommend for there now in terms of getting to the outlets uh, I'm pretty sure that all the out- all three outlet ma- big outlets all have shuttle service I'm not sure if they go to the Disney resorts though I would think that you'd probably have to get it at the Ticket and Transportation Center and arrange for transportation from them. I don't believe they do individual resort pickups. 
Um, I'd have to look into that for you. Tracy, you talked about a rental car and the price of a rental car. Uh, rental car companies are hurting just the same as everybody else these days. My suggestion is to do some research. You should be able to find a rental car for much less than $100 a day. Um, you also should check with your insurance company to see if they cover you. And if you pay with a credit card, a lot of times they'll cover your insurance right. also. You won't have to buy the insurance through the rental car company. If you use an American Express, they for sure have coverage for rental cars. Check with your local insurance to see if they'll cover you. But that's one of the things that a lot of people, I don't want to say get scammed on, but a lot of people don't know about is that you don't have to take Rental cars and companies insurance. make money selling you that insurance. But I would also say, like, the, the big name brand companies don't seem to give you that pressure. pressure that some of the smaller companies do, that people think they're saving money by going with a smaller company, and then by the time that you add that all on, it's more expensive than, like, Hertz and National and Alamo. They try to upsell you on the gas, too. Yeah. Would you like us to fill it up for you at the end? Yeah. No, thank you. I would suggest if if they plan on doing a lot of off-property things like hitting up the outlets and going to the malls and doing some things around the area, I would do a rental car. Uh, yeah, I agree. It just gives you so much more freedom. I but I also understand – I'm sorry. I also understand, though, that coming from a foreign country, you know, I have absolutely zero intention of getting behind the wheel of a car in Australia. Right, yeah. Um, so coming from Australia That's to the United States – That's because you have States, to pedal. Stop it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you know, the Australians aren't going to send you any presents. Um, they haven't yet. <laughs> they well, now you know why. Couple, yeah, we got a, we, one of the, one of the, at least one or two of the boxes we've gotten. We've gotten presents from Australia. In the Did I get mine? In the three years we've been here. That's because they run on dingoes. <laughs> the, dingoes oh. the dingoes ate my presents. <laughs> oh, Lord. But uh, now I know she had some other questions. I, you were you were jotting them down, weren't you, John? She wanted to know about Podcast Cruise 2.0, the one in December yeah, of she's 2010. F- she's fine in July. You'll be fine in July. Um, we're, again, we're going to have to probably turn in our unused group space August 1st. All that means is that the price could go up. So we want people to, if you're thinking about doing it, please book now. Please lock in the current price. We don't want you to wait a couple months to think about it and then have to come back to us and say, you know, if this is several hundred dollars more than what was originally out there. So book now. We're over 550 people now Wow! on this cruise. And you have until, is it 75 days or 90 days beforehand? No, it's 45 days. Look on it cruise up. line? Look it up. Oh no! Forty-five days is, is package. packages. It's. Yeah, uh, it's I thought it was four months on on cruise. That's for group it's space. It's seventy-five days. Oh, it's seventy-five days. You have until seventy-five days before you sail to get a full refund. Right, and also it depends if you're going to book a suite or not. That changes a little bit too. There's right, no if you're booking a category one, two, or three, your deposit's non-refundable. Right. So, the suggestion is absolutely positively book now if you can. The deposit's not that much. You're going to lock in the space. You're not going to have to worry about paying more or there not being space on the ship. As far as the Swan Dolphin, it's just too far out to know what we'll be able to do with the Swan Dolphin or not. We will definitely set something up with one of our hotel partners for pre- and post-nights. I'm hoping it will be the Swan Dolphin, but we have not uh, made those arrangements yet. Um, And to answer your question about the teacher discount, yes, that does apply for teachers from any country, not just the United States, as long as you have 
uh, identification that shows you as employed at a school, university, whatever. So, uh, yes, Tracy, that does. Just, just bring your boomerang with your credentials on it. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Man, why do you know? I don't know He's why. so bitter because Walter and I go in Australia. <laughs> I think that's that's what it is. Hater. He's just a bitter, bitter, bitter man. He's in bitter town. He's the mayor of bitter town. Gosh. But, uh, so, no. Ooh, bitter. <laughs> did, we, uh, did we answer all her questions? Uh, I believe so. Well, there's one thing she asked. If you go to the Swan Dolphin and you ask for a, a taxi, you might get a town car. Last time I just got a regular taxi to come to your house when we were going out of town, they send a town car. So I think wherever you go, you need to explain, I want a taxi. I will not take a town car if you send it. Because I'm thinking the people just had town cars they weren't using. They sent to pick me up. Yeah. I didn't have time to get another cab. So I had to pay 40 bucks to get from my house to yours, which is three miles. Because wow. I just didn't have time. Dang, why didn't you call me? I would have charged you twice. <laughs> <laughs> and said Escandido the whole time. <laughs> yeah, really. So, well, I hope that answers your questions, Tracy. Thanks so much for calling in. I really do hope that we get a chance to meet you when we're out in Australia, which is like 40-some-odd days away. Yeah, it's close. I mean, wow. yeah, it's really stupid. I mean, and I still, I like, there's so much I need to buy. You still playing Russian roulette with the exchange rate? Yes. Yes, I am. I'm trying to get the exchange wait for the exchange rate to be as good as I can get it so that when because all the hotels I'm looking at are priced in Australian dollars. So at the time that I book it whatever the prevailing exchange rate is is what I'm going to get. So I'm trying to vacillating between 22 and 29 cents on the dollar. It was 29 cents the other day. I said, oh, let me do it. I'm like, no, let me wait. And then it was 22 cents. Like, oh, it's Dang. like turnips in Animal Crossing. Right, exactly. That's exactly what it feels like. That's exactly what it feels like. And it all rots on Tuesday or whatever day. Seven days. After seven days, your turnips rot. Saturday night. My town's probably covered in weeds. I haven't been there in so long. Yeah, I know. I haven't been in my town in a while either. So, All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of The Diz Unplugged. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be back with you again next week with another edition. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes.